Welcome to episode 15 of A Politic. This is a progressive discussion of politics for people who hate politics. And today we're going to be talking about principle number seven. And our principle number seven, again, these are progressive principles that help to transform our society in a more progressive direction, increasing the empowerment of each person in society, not just some, which proposes not to leave anybody behind, but creating a more healthy and sustainable society that will last longer, where people get more things done. Well, the seventh principle is increases equal protection and justice under the law. So our goal is to promote the kind of atmosphere in our society where we won't see people being shot, where we won't see the expectancy of fear, we won't see the expectancy of resentment and rebellion, but we will see a respect for each of us and we will see our society trending in a healthier direction. So again, we welcome you and we ask you to join us for episode number 15. Welcome to episode 15 of A Politic. And we're going to launch into the seventh principle of progressive politics. One of the things that, again, we're using these principles to illustrate how we can change national policies all the way down to local policies by using these principles to analyze different proposals and see do these things lead to progressive changes or are they just counterfeit? They're not really leading to any meaningful improvements. They're not really leading to changes that will increase the security of everyone in our society and increase the sense that we are being treated fairly and equitably. So the seventh principle is increases equal protection and justice under the law. And this is guaranteed under the Constitution. Uh, there is a, uh, an amendment, the 14th Amendment, called the Equal Protection Amendment. But as far as how it's been applied, it's been very, very unequally applied. And so again, we need to have the voters speak. And I'd like to, to invite my friend Steve to join in and just give some general thoughts about equal protection to get the discussion started. Well, as I mentioned uh, earlier, I hope things are going well for you there, Bill. Um, equal justice under the law is, is, again, in the Constitution. And the word equal and the word justice are equivalent terms because equality under the law assumes 
from the get-go that an individual in our way of life is innocent until proven otherwise. And what we need are agencies or entities or representatives of the general public that basically supersede any given institution in our society. It, it should be in this particular realm, not just solely the police departments of our country being the sole arbiters of whether their actions are justified or not. And it's more than just elected officials that basically play a role to counterbalance that in institutional influence. The public needs to weigh in, and as we've talked um, amongst ourselves, that there needs to be some sort of national umbrella of data that can be utilized at the state and local levels that basically give the sovereigns, the people of our country, uh, the ability to discern in any given instance whether an infringement of our idea of equal justice under law is being being exercised. Well, that's what we're looking for. And there has been uh, an effort on the part of Newark, New Jersey as one example, to actually reform their policing system. And we want to certainly recommend to people if they're interested in this subject, that you look at the article that we give from the Guardian newspaper that discusses the reforms that have been taking place. And one of the reforms is Camden disbanded its city police at the behest of state and local lawmakers at the time there were about 200 police officers, according to a county spokesman, but 30% would call out absent on, every given, on any given day. So that year, however, Governor Chris Christie slashed aid to the city by 20%. In response, city officials came together to enact a new, pa new plan, disband the city police including the expensive police union contract and rehire more police under the local county disposition or jurisdiction of the same name. So in 2016, Camden County teamed up with New York University's policing project, which acts as a consultant to help update the police department's policies, including use of force which determined what a police officer was allowed to do when interacting with a resident. The county implemented training, anti-bias programs, and simulators following the American Civil Liberties Union of New Jersey guidelines. And basically the result was a different kind of police force. So as people are talking about defund the police, we're not talking about disbanding the police. We're not talking about discontinuing the police. We're talking about finding meaningful ways 
to transform policing so that you do have um, changes in the system that lead to a more equitable enforcement of the law and protecting people. Well, Bill, I, I can't uh, agree with you more. Uh, the states have always been seen uh, in our national architecture as the experimental laboratories for any future national template. And I think that uh, the more imaginative and creative uh, and hopefully more evolved ways in which we police our communities um, uh, then percolate to a national archetype that basically can be seen as, uh, as I said earlier, a national umbrella. And then every given state can look at these basic principles and say, here's, we have to apply these at the local level to get um, more equity and more justice in the administration of law in our society. Yes, and we probably want to go with a, with a system where people are trying innovative solutions on the local level, and then we have a national conversation to institute changes, maybe again on a periodic basis, like maybe every 10 years or every five years, and especially when we have summers like we've had this summer with all the incidents of um, very, very brutal treatment of citizens, we know that we have to make changes. And the question is, how often are we going to make those changes? We had George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. We had Ahmad Aubrey. We had Rayshard Brooks, Jacob Blake. These cases indicate that uh, change is needed. And so when we have uh, things like this in Daniel Prude and Rochester, we know that the changes are not happening frequently enough. So we need to um, have an awareness that reform is needed and reforming the reforms are needed when we have examples of problems that keep coming up. So, go ahead. Well, one of the things that I think uh, is a technological innovation, which should be a national standard, are body cameras. I mean, uh, they really keep all the players in a, in a particular situation, the, the citizen and the police officer, sort of um, on common ground in the sense that they know that there is something that is recording the actions of all the individuals. Right. Now there's some state there are some states that still don't uh, you know permit or have not instituted any body cameras. But I, I really think that the technology is such that it should be as simple and as automatic as as soon as an officer steps out of the car, it automatically goes on because what we're hearing is, oh, I forgot to put my put the camera on or I forgot to turn it on. It's always in in a standby mode. And as soon as as an officer were to exit his vehicle, 
He doesn't even have to touch anything. It's already running. And uh, I think that the, the more we can, you know, broadly institute a national body camera uh, standard, uh, I think um, at least everyone will know that, hey, my actions are being recorded. And do I want to sit in a courtroom one day and see these images and, and, and sound bites come back to me going, uh, wow, um, I, uh, I shouldn't have, I should have behaved differently. And that also goes for the, the, the citizen. I mean, if a citizen basically starts acting out, that's captured too. And the police officer in a court can say, if you were in my shoes, how would you rea have reacted? Yes. I think that's very important. Now, earlier this year, the Republicans and Democrats tried to negotiate a national level of reforms. And Tim Scott, who is the sole African-American Republican senator, uh, had a number of proposed reforms. The Democrats had their proposed reforms, which the House actually passed a number of reforms. But because it was an election year, no one seemed to want to give on this point of compromising. However, Steve, you mentioned something that happened on September 15th, just a couple of days ago, where Republicans and Democrats decided, hey, let's change this system. Let's make a point of getting together and reveal the ability to actually work together. And why don't you tell us about that? Well, right now the, um, the group's name um, uh, escapes me. I don't know whether you Problem remember Problem Solvers or Caucus. Con caucus. Problem and Solvers Caucus. Caucus. And it's in the House of Representatives uh, at the national level, of course. And there were um, 25 Democrats and 25 Republicans in the House who felt strongly enough that though they each come to the table with their own political philosophy and worldview, they both agreed we're American citizens first. And that's where they started the premise of, of this, this caucus. They said, look, we're, we're going to take every issue that comes before us. We each come with a different way of solving it. But we have to find where the common ground is. We need to... Our goal is to legislate, and we don't do that if we can't get common ground on a piece of legislation. And so 25 Democrats and 25 Republicans came together, and their sole purpose is to find common principles that they can agree to. And then once they've agreed to it amongst themselves, these 50 congressmen, they then go out to their respective colleagues and say, look, we've, we've got a compromise here. And, you know, passing something for the American people is better than passing nothing for the American people, particularly yeah. in, on this issue. Well, and that's, that's something that we need to look at as a model across the board. The time where immigration reform, I mean, all these problems keep getting kicked down the road because people cannot find any common ground that has to be 
eliminated. We can't allow that to happen anymore. And I think, again, you people who don't vote, you can be the key to push this into action where the politicians are not allowed to slide anymore because everything's locked up 50-50. You're and, really and I think one of, the things that, one of the things that is, is kind of the catch-22 in it all is that, you know, holding political office is, is a pretty heady thing, particularly at the national level. And people get accustomed to being in power. And if something is based on compromise, it may not resonate with their home constituents. And they, they're more inclined to say, I want to be reelected back home than go to Washington and find common ground for the national good. I'm always concerned about whether or not I'm going to have enough votes to win in my next election. And therefore, I'm not going to politically stick my neck out and then have people tweeting all over me on the Internet or over the Twitter machine basically saying, oh, you can't vote for that guy because he sold us out to those people on the other side of the aisle. Whereas the people back home don't realize as clearly as they should that it's a national legislature. You're trying to get something passed that doesn't necessarily help your own constituents in your respective districts, but what will resonate positively for the national public good. Yes. Well, on that note, I think we are at our time limit for today, Steve. I thank you very much for your thoughtfulness, and we just want to see this proposition of equal protection extended and develop further for the benefit of our whole society. So thanks very much, Steve. Yes, uh, you're welcome, and uh, you take care now, Bill. Thank you for joining us for episode 15 of A Politic. We're looking forward to the culmination of voter registration coming up Monday, October 5th, and the beginning of early voting Tuesday, October 6th. So again, we want to encourage all of our listeners who are not registered to go ahead and get registered and then make sure you vote November 3rd. We're looking forward to having more discussions about how to transform our society into a healthier, more sustainable track of life. And we want to see each and every person more empowered, feeling your significance. So thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to hearing from you again.